cake or death. What's that from? It's Eddie Izzard. Oh, I have not. You know, I saw Eddie, oh, Izzard, Eddie Izzard is the best. He's so, so genius. He's so intense. I yeah. felt like I was mainlining every energy beverage I've ever had. Oh, my God. He Ezra, is. He Ezra is a very unique human being. It's like it's like British Robin Williams. Oh, oh. good way to put it. Yeah. And you also it like so. It's intense, but then if you actually know his historical references, it's even more- Yeah, oh no, he's a genius. You know, he does shows in like four fucking languages. I did hear about that. Yes. Like, think about comedy in another language. Think about like how much nuance and subtlety there is to getting a laugh in English. And then imagine oh. you have to do that in French and German. And I thought there was a third one. I could be wrong. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I may learn a new language, another language someday. Can we gush about Eddie Izzard for another second? Huh? What? (laughs) Can we gush about Eddie Izzard for another second? Did you hear (laughs) (laughs) about his like ultra marathon shit that he did? A little bit. Yeah. He ran. I'm totally going to fuck this up, but it's something ridiculous. Like he ran a marathon a day for like a month. Every day he ran a marathon and he had never run before. He he was not a runner. He just decided he was going to do this for charity yeah. um, and to like raise awareness. And so he trained for like a couple of months and then did this incredible feat of just will. And he's he's a he's a a freak. And I mean that in the best possible way. Well, that's nuts. So like, okay, hi, 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 hi. This is the like couch <laughs> potato without the beef. welcome like to the podcast. Couch potato. <laughs> so. Nicholas and I, I'm still Adrienne Gunn. Nicholas and I are the kinds of humans that love, I guess, life, life hacking, life optimizing. That's, that's, we're in that world, right? Yep. Last, personal development junkie. Yes, personal development junkie. Last week, which was really just Sunday, so it wasn't really last week. Earlier this week when we did our first episode, I, mm-hmm. I, menstruated through it and so i had menstrual brain <laughs> okay when i introduced ourselves i said that we were professional what did i say instead of personal development professionals i think we i said professional development s- specialists i don't know <laughs> it was awful i uh had to hug myself a lot after i wasn't really that grumpy. Aww, i lo- i felt i got off our, <laughs> our last call going like that was so great i feel so jazzed and you were like it was pretty good for my brain not being all here <laughs> yeah no i did some weird instagram video where i invented words because like sometimes my brain won't find the stuff mm. oh well <laughs> I was just really thrilled that we we're like, hey, we did the first episode. We yes. won't ever have to do episode one ever again. Must it's true. Fun. It's true. Uh, so as Eddie Izzard doing this ultra marathon thing seems well themed with the kinds of ways that we're obsessed with, like optimizing our own life mm-hmm. and experience. Mm-hmm. And I just got back from an IV treatment because I love IV treatments by my friend, Melissa nicknamed them uh, at being filled with unicorn blood. <laughs> Was this like heroin? No, <laughs> that kind of IV treatment. No, what were you? What were you doing today? It was. Uh, it was just mostly magnesium and hydration. Oh, and what is got the glu- it? Glut- 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 glutathione. Yes. 
delightful yeah. anti-inflammatory. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm juicing on at the moment. That's my state. Yeah. I read uh, I read a report recently about glutathione that said the only kind of protein that will increase your body's production of glutathione is whey protein, which is one of the reasons why bodybuilders use whey protein so much. And they were they just kind of discovered this a couple of years back. Yeah, I sometimes have food sensitivities and inflammation challenges. And that's one of the things that they say, hey, take this stuff. It's really good for you. Yeah. So, it's like a super uh, antioxidant, right? Glutathione. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this, this talking about television and utilizing it in a, as an enlightenment tool is part of some yeah. discoveries we come across for how to get more life out of your life, which is kind of, a yeah, well, we're kind of obsessive compulsive about maximizing everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like we said in the last one, one of the subversive intentions of this, uh, this philosophy and orientation towards movies and TV is to remove the guilt so that like you're watching it anyway and you fucking know you are and you know you're going to. So you might as well figure out a way to make it good for you. Yeah. Can we talk about the, the I remember hearing somebody, uh, a guy named Steve Pavlina is a, um, someone I studied mm -hmm. <clears throat> his personal development type stuff. He had this thing about like why he likes the phrase personal development. And he said he doesn't like personal growth because it sounds like something's growing on you, like a mold <laughs> or like a fungus or exactly right. Yeah. Like not personal growth um, and self-help. He's like, like, that's not right. Like, of course you're helping yourself. Like, what does that even mean? Like, and, uh, and, and the whole point of self-help is that you're reading someone else's book. So you're not really helping yourself. You're yeah, like, and no one does either. I'd love yeah. to just shatter that effing belief that we're like mm -hmm. self-made men specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Human beings are pack animals. We are supposed to support each other. So personal development, I like that phrase because it's literally like building yourself, like, yeah. um, like deciding consciously how you want to grow. And I think you and I are both obsessed with, uh, and, and I call it leading an epic life. Uh, that, and that, that means different things for different people. It, there's no universal definition of what an epic life is, yeah. uh, but you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when you're living it. That's kind of where uh, where we come from and why the, how this orientation towards movies and TV developed. I'm giggling because so <laughs> we were on here moments before going live talking about what we wanted to talk about today. Nicholas, do you want to tell them what you want to talk about? Today? What, so you said we were going to start with we don't know what to talk about because there's so yeah, much there's to so talk much about. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, some of the things that so we have to update them on who the heck we are. That's a yes. thing, right? And that I think I, I'm going to let go of my intensity about like, oh my god, they have to know us because they'll they'll get to know us. They'll, they'll get to know us time. as they tune in. The people who enjoy hanging out with us are the ones who are going to keep coming back and watching it. That's sure. that's the thing about podcasts is that it's more about hanging out with people and enjoying the vibe than it is about, okay, here are the bullet points that we've covered in this talk, right? Totally. So that we'll just, we're just, we're already being us. So mm -hmm. they'll get who we are. And mm -hmm. then there's, so we have this, the theory that there's this technique for how to watch tele movie and television for maximum 
what psychological, psychological and, and spiritual, spiritual development. development. So this <laughs> move the super, super easy to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't <laughs> when we say that there's a technique, we really do mean that there's a technique, but it's, we, we haven't entirely agreed because the two of us have come across this on our own separately. And we have some of the same tools. There's some fundamental aspects behind that. And so we've got things to cover like the unconscious mind. What the heck is it? And how to get in rapport with it. That's, that's a, it's a huge topic. Mm-hmm. What else is on there, Nicholas? Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about hypnosis. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about, um, you mentioned dream interpretation, yes. Jungian psychology, archetypes, mythology. Shadow. Um, is it part of the Jungian? Shadow. Uh, so, I, I mean, I look at this as like when, when we say how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. I don't think of it as one technique. I think like the point of this podcast is to continually discover new ways to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. I hope that there are things we'll discover six months from now, especially as more people get excited about doing this. Like the central uh, theme of this is simply the acknowledgement that it is possible to watch yeah. movies and TV for psychological and spiritual development at all. And when you start to set that intention because of the way the unconscious mind works, you will start to come up with new ways and new ways and new ways and better ways. And then when we all put this together, we can continue to to turn this into, I don't know, a religion of some kind. Right. Well, last last week, you <laughs> maybe were that's not about the right word. A philosophy, <laughs> philosophy, like a, a spiritual practice, a practice. Yeah, yeah, sure. I like that. I like last that. Week like meditation. About, yeah. Utilizing your research in bioenergetics and body mm-hmm. body based trauma release. Mm-hmm. Within your television experience, you, you mm-hmm. shared a story. And so, so we may even cover, we may even cover how, how like trauma and how, yeah. oh, yes, like, the power of why we were gesturing towards like emotions are important and how the heck do you notice them, engage with them as, as you're having an emotional response to television? What are some philosophies yeah. of how you can be more present with yourself? So that release can go a lot easier, these kinds of things. A lot of the principles you're going to learn about how to relate to the movies and TV in in the most effective way are going to be universal. It's going to cross into, hey, guess what? That's not just for watching movies and TV. That's also the best way to approach situations in life. Um, But one one of the theories on why we tell stories and why stories have been around for so long is that it is a way to learn through experience without having the experience that someone telling a story is that there's a part of my mind that is watching and experiencing that. And now I don't have to go do it. Yeah. And even if I'm not watching someone, even if someone's just telling me the story, you're telling me the story and I'm playing a movie of it in my own head and I'm learning from that experience. So you can gain resources. You can gain resourcefulness from watching movies and TV. And one of the things you and I have discovered is that the amount of value you get out of this radically transforms the moment you start setting your intention to get more value out of it or opening your mind to the idea that it can transform you. 
And a lot of the new processes around trauma, like PTSD, and the strategies that work to actually release have a lot to do with not specifically needing to relive yes. experiences. So you and I, we're trained in techniques that help people shift baggage and patterns and stuff like that. And one of the brilliant things about the tools that we have access to that we've learned and we use with clients is they get to get over their stuff without having yeah. to relive or, or re-experience the trauma. Yeah. There are so many wonderfully, wonderfully creative techniques from the past. And I don't know I, like antiquated popped up into my head. There are so, so well-intentioned, well-intentioned as we have grown now forward into how you can actually heal trauma. It turns out you don't have to actually talk about it or relive it. Sometimes the levels of abstraction of watching someone else go through something. Now they've got things like trigger warnings. Certainly you can watch something that that will bring up your own emotions and to be able to shift and heal and change your own psych like processes and how your body responds to things. You don't, you don't have to relive it yourself. Watching yeah. someone else have an arc can help you shift and heal things. It's ridiculously cool. You know, lately uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've had this conversation multiple times with different people that, <clears throat> that, there are two worlds that people tend to live in and they are very different worlds. One world is where you believe that trauma is something that can be healed, mm -hmm. something you can get over, something you can work through. Um, and maybe even, which is what I believe that something that once you work through it, your trauma becomes your superpower. Yeah that your trauma becomes your X-Men special ability. Like you become a mutant in a good way. <laughs> um, on the other side, there are a lot of people who, whether they consciously are aware of it or not, live in a world where they act as if trauma is not a thing you can get over. Yes. And it shows up in lots of different ways. Maybe there, maybe there is some kind of trauma that you can heal from, but then there's other stuff where that's just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And those are so radically different worlds that people approach life completely differently when you live in one of those two worlds. In the world where you can't heal trauma, you need to protect people who have trauma. Yes. The problem with that is, first of all, it's not true. You can heal trauma. But the other problem with it is that you end up in a kind of nerfing the world kind of philosophy where you have to take all the sharp edges away from everything. And we all have to go down to the common denominator of the most traumatized person. Right. And I, I believe that there are people who have trauma and you can't help them through it by throwing them in a pit full of snakes. Sure. <laughs> like, and it doesn't work. We've tried it. It doesn't work. And it's only going to make it worse. So you do have to learn how to approach that with caution. But there are a lot of people who believe they can't heal their own trauma. And they're kind of constantly on guard. Yes. To I'm protect to themselves say. and to protect mm -hmm. other people. So this paradigm shift of not only can you heal trauma, but anything can be used to heal trauma. It's not just movies and TV. You can apply what we're learning here to books, to video games, to um, whatever you, your, your own life, your own dreams. I mean, 
that's one of the things you were going to talk about is dream interpretation. Yeah. Well, and you just got my brain spiking on the, the way in which I just keep having like, how are you resourced? How resourceful are you? What is your source? That's been spinning in my head this particular <laughs> week. And I know I said like trigger warnings, content warnings. I might have said that or gestured towards it. The idea that oftentimes we are attempting to control language and content instead of figuring out how to expand expressiveness and resiliency. Right. And, and I, I know it's part of the conversation. It's just not the forward part when we're talking about like right. anti-bullying and zero tolerance and right. changing language. And yeah. one of the things that's really cool about theater and music and movies and these stories that we ex expose ourselves yeah. to is it allows us to drop into traumas and triggers and stuff yes. like other people's things without without it necessarily infecting our, our our lives so directly yes that that it it can if you engage with it in a particular way expand your uh resources for dealing with things in the world yeah well it, even it, this leads to the the ridiculous conclusion that video games cause violence or right. violent behavior yeah like uh, Penn Jillette, um goes on a tirade about this occasionally i've seen it in some interviews where he's like no it has the opposite effect the point is that the opportunity to explore violence in a place where you know it's imaginary you know that no one is being hurt is actually it actually has the opposite effect it allows us to go places and play with things that you would never do in real life that's the fucking point yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. we were joking and gesturing. So you had something that you wanted to talk about. How did <laughs> right, right. how did you specifically express? That? We were trying well, to like, what do you want to talk so about today? We were talking about different things that we could talk about. I was saying, well, I have this this um, multi layered uh, metaphor loop that I want to talk about at some point. That's about one of my all time favorite childhood movies, and it's kind of like it lays the foundation for a ton of stuff that we're going to be doing in this and talking about in this um, program or in this podcast. And uh, Adrienne was like, I think that's like its own episode. We yes. should do that because it's long. And right. I was like, okay, well, what about, how about this? What if I just do a little talk on Joseph Campbell? We'll just do a <laughs> little bit of Joseph Campbell. And, and then, then you kind of lost your shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Nicholas loves the shit out of Joseph Campbell and he should. Joseph Campbell is a badass. And yeah. when Nicholas said he wanted to do a little bit of Joseph Campbell, I should talk a little bit. It just reminds me of, of every, <laughs> every instance where I, maybe you can relate where your partner of whatever you're up to is just like, can I like just a tip? I just like, just, <laughs> Maybe you're, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. I, just, I just want, like, I had a friend who had, like, a, her stomach was rough. She was having a rough night, and, and her boyfriend at the time was just like, well, maybe, maybe I just, like, put it in. I promise I won't jostle you too much. And so, for so me. Just a Joseph Campbell tip. Just, just, just a tip of, just, just 
just the tip oh, of the list. I um, feel a little, a tiny little bit ba- disrespectful to the memory of Joseph Campbell right now. Like <laughs> if his children were watching this, I, I deeply love and admire and respect Joseph Campbell. And I hope yes. he would have a sense of humor about that. I just, it's like, well, let's just do it for 15 minutes and then four hours later. So, but I, which I suppose is a good problem to have. Yeah. And so I, we're going to talk a little love, bit about Joseph Campbell. Just a tip. <laughs> and then you were going to talk about. I don't, I don't have any prepared content about this, but yes, because Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is part of how scripts are written. I think it's important yeah. to cover it. And I will talk about a little bit of DreamWork philosophy of, of what, okay. of what, uh, because I think engaging with DreamWork, I don't think everybody does DreamWork. I don't think they know. What no, they I, I don't think a lot of people even know what it is. So, so like, I will, you can kind of go big picture and like history of like what, uh, that kind of stuff. Or it, I, I can give yeah. it a shot. Okay. That's or I could throw in I some know. stuff there. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Okay, so let's talk about Joseph Campbell. So I'm not going to go in depth on this, but I I have a very specific point that I want to make is people have been asking kind of two main questions. Number one, what kind of stuff you can work on with this? Um, That's a question we've been getting from a lot of people. So we're going to talk about that here. The other question is, how does it work? Um. Well, there's a lot of different reasons why this works and and mechanisms through which movies and TV can have an influence and an impact on your unconscious. So uh, Joseph Campbell was a philosopher um, and he studied mythology. Um, And Joseph Campbell had some really interesting theories that I think were validated and proved to be true for one very simple reason. Because Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Star Wars proved Joseph Campbell right. So now I'm going to, I'm going to make that point in five minutes or less starting. <laughs> so Joseph Campbell had this idea. He began studying mythologies, um, myths and stories uh, from the cultures around the world. And what he found was that there were, many, many, many experiences uh, where he would discover that different cultures were telling stories that were very similar, like eerily similar, sometimes down to the the specifics of the story. Um, But a lot of times, even if the specifics were slightly different, the structure of the stories were very similar. And so he had this thought that, well, there's two possibilities. Why is it that different cultures are telling the same stories and maybe cultures that have never even crossed paths? They've never had an opportunity to share their myths. Um, And he said, one possibility is that they're all true, (laughs) that they all happened, literally happened at some point, and that we're just remembering those stories because they actually happened. He said, the other reason is probably more likely and and much more interesting. And that is the idea that the reason different cultures, different s- people tell stories that are very similar is because those stories come from something universal inside of all of us. That um, it's almost like evolution. It's almost like survival of the fittest. That when people started telling stories, 
they would tell um, lots of different stories, but some stories would get told again because people would say, hey, tell that one story that you told again. And the stories that people didn't like would die. And the ones that would survive, the ones that people liked were the ones that survived. And then they kept evolving and kept changing. So in a sense, we're asking the question, why do we like the stories that we like? Mm-hmm. And Campbell came up with this 12-step cycle that he called the hero's journey. Um, there's a number of really amazing books Joseph Campbell wrote. One of them is called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I actually loaned that book to somebody and never got it back, so I don't have my copy right now. There's another book called The Power of Myth that's really fabulous. Um, the Hero with a Thousand Faces is the one where he says there is one story that humanity is telling over and over and over, and it follows a very predictable structure. Stories that follow that structure tend to be retold, and ones that don't, we tend to forget about because they don't feel right to right. us. But what that means is that there's some structure inside our unconscious mind that that is that we resonate with, that we go, ooh, I like that story. And then it becomes this game of telling a slightly different version of it. So I said I was going to explain the Star Wars thing. So George Lucas learned about Joseph Campbell. Um, He'd made a couple of movies and, and then came up with this idea of using his uh, hero's journey blueprint or as the blueprint for a, a myth, but set in space. And that was Star Wars. And apparently the story I've heard is that um, George Lucas went to see Joseph Campbell and showed him his scripts. And Campbell was such a nice guy and so generous that he basically took his scripts and was like, no, 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 here, and rewrote the whole thing. <laughs> and that's the Star Wars we ended up with. Now, a lot of people will point to, you know, the first Star Wars movie was saved in editing largely too. Um, yeah. But that idea that he created this structure And then George Lucas put it out into the world and there were lines around the block. There was, there was, there had never been a blockbuster like it. Literally the term blockbuster, actually, I think it was invented for Jaws, which came out like the year before. Um, But, uh, but Jaws was nothing compared to Star Wars. And, uh, and it, it played on. I still have 30 seconds. Yes. (laughs) It played on. One of the things I've said recently is one of the reasons people get so mad about Star Wars um, is because it feels like religion Mm. to people. That it's, it's actually playing on structures in the deep unconscious, the deep collective unconscious that are so deep as to be indistinguishable from the way most people feel about religion, which is why people get so angry when the Star Wars movies suck. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because it feels like you're, 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 you're making fun of my Jesus. Yeah. And I keep teasing that we will talk about, I keep saying, let's talk about the movies we're made of or the TV shows we're made of, because they're, I think they're, in addition to a particular movie touching into some sort of uh, personal, what is it, epoch? Am I making up that world? Uh, our, Our own internal values are often built and structured around the movies that we watched growing up, like your never ending story movie. And for me, 
for some reason, Young Guns was part of personal values and Goonies is in there and these, these different things that we, that are like religion to us. Uh, when you were talking, I, so Nicholas is a wonderful, wonderful dude. Cause he can remember names of authors and he can probably remember, you know, the, the people that can like quote poetry and lines and stuff. You're, you're closer to that than me. I often will read something or I will sort of intuitively have a sense that something exists and then find out later that they've scientifically proven it. And like, sweet, handy. So when you were talking just now about something core that this 12 step cycle, maybe it's core in the unconscious. I had the intuition that there's probably something specific, specifically cellular about the journey And I got it from this sense. I don't remember the specific modality, but I took this very interesting movement class. It was like a four-week movement class discovering parts of our body. And specifically, we were, the person was telling us the story of fluids in our body, like how lymph and like blood and all of these things were created and developed developed and we were wandering around barefoot which is not my favorite in a space that was i guess warm enough and she was describing cellular processes going on at certain stages of life and then we were like moving our bodies with you know i think there were like seven or eight of us and she told this fascinating story of how cells were dividing and then creating blood and becoming bone and about to build a heart. And it was blowing my mind that we were just at some point we were goo. Right. And then we'd be like, like you, you were goo at some point. Now you're you. Right. And I I started just getting off on that, but I think I should bug some of these medically trained body process trained people to find out if the Joseph Campbell's 12 step arc is also a cellular arc of of, of life internally. Cause that may be, I want to say that I've seen some people do that kind of mapping. Right. Um, there's a, there's a, a book that I want, I want to say it's like the Tao of physics. If mm-hmm. I remember if that's what it's called. Um, and I want to say it's like free job Copra or something is the guy's, the author's name. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong. <clears throat> anyway. Um, I do recall that that book makes some some leaps um, that physicists will look at and be like, mm, come on. <laughs> but he basically takes a lot of 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 ideas around physics and and he then leads that into biology and things like that. That he's like, there are parallels and overlaps between these philosophies about yin and yang and things right. like that. Um, another book that I love that I I've been rereading lately is called the master and his emissary, which is about the, um, the hemispheres and how it's called the divided brain and the making of the Western world. So he basically says the way your brain is structured and the, the, the division of the hemispheres, first of all, that goes all the way down to basically the, some of the simplest creatures on the planet have this left, right thing. Um, And interestingly, now they're starting to find that the best way to create artificial intelligence is to create, antagonistic intelligences that argue with each other. And then it creates uh, something that you can't get when either of them are by themselves. And 
Oh, dude, it's so cool. When I think about that um, in terms of the brain. So I, I imagine that it, it, it's true up and down, you know, as above, so below that right. concept. Yeah. yeah, no. And I, I, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it makes me want to like chase it down or just wait yeah. for it to show up on my Facebook feed again. Yeah. I remember, I think I was 18. It was in college and I was in this. Uh, so Portland State University has a general ed things. It's a bit different. They, they structure it where we had three people from different disciplines teaching a general ed I think it was pluralism in society was the topic yeah. that we were doing. I mean, okay. a sociologist and linguist. Oh, yes. And a historian. And I, I was very, very lucky. My high school, I learned about Joseph Campbell in my senior year. In high school. I learned about it in high school. I had an amazing you. and lucky time. I actually almost want to bring on my high school teacher for the two of you to geek out about Joseph Campbell. It could be. All fun. right. So I was in my first year there in college and my uh, sociology PhD, actually a well-published gentleman was talking about something and he like named it some sort of philosophy that I don't remember the title of. And I started laughing kind of hysterically and he's like, what's going on? I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you telling me that you have a freaking PhD and you just get to name shit I thought of when I was 14 on the bus. <laughs> like, I, I discovered this about people. And now you have a goddamn career and just stuff. Really? That's a aren't, thing. Aren't, aren't we precocious? <laughs> yeah. 18 year old Adrian was. Uh, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> a delight to behold. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, I just love. I, I don't know. I you just, still are. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Did you want to talk about dreams? Sure. I had another book that I'll mention after that. It's sure. short, but yeah. go ahead and do dreams first. So part of the, part of the technique that I came across when I started utilizing television to help with my own personal shifts was very similar to dream work. And I am not an expert. So when I was 19, I was in San Francisco for a couple of weeks, having ridiculously vivid and powerful dreams. And they, I was like, what the F is going on? It was a very challenging time. I was on a very weird road trip that, that friends of mine have horror stories about. I'm not going to get into that story, but I was, I was living in, like I was living above like girls, girls, girls on whatever that, <laughs> that part of San Francisco is. There's some sort of a street, Broadway street, I think full of like, I don't know what it's like now. So I'm having these crazy <laughs> dreams and I think it's city life books. The famous one where is it on the road, some famous effing author, author from, you know, you're supposed to read it. Kerouac hung out there. Thank you, Kerouac. Yeah. So go in there looking for dream analysis, thinking like, what are, what do these things mean? They're so vivid. And I'm yeah. like, what would Freud say? Everything's a penis is what Freud would say. Yeah. And everyone wants not one. Freud. He's not the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm having these dreams and I'm like, what the heck are they? So I pick up this book, of course, by an author I'm not going to be able to tell you about. I'll have to Google it. So <laughs> this book was living your dreams. And one of them was about dream interpretation. And the other one was about lucid dreaming. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. Whoa. I know who wrote the lucid dreaming one because there's only one expert on that. Well, there's this woman in San Francisco and she built like a like a dream work this is back in like 98, I think, too. Cool. Positioning this story. So 
I think she created a kind of university or a place to, to like learn specifically about dreams. So the idea that was pivotal and different from this sort of like Freudian or the like what psychology was saying, like, you know, a pickle equals this and here's a bird and a bird equals this. And I'm like, I'm having these images. What do they mean? The biggest part in, in her philosophy was the idea that your unconscious mind takes takes images from your life and helps you process what's going on and wants and wants to engage with you to help you like like shift your world or you know there's some dreams that are prophetic and there are some dreams that are just sorting dreams and then there are some dreams that are just like working on challenges and issues and i believe i was having like highly visual working on challenges and issues kinds of dreams Mm. so her process is technically you know, a bird in one person's mind is different than a bird in another person's mind. Whatever right. you've grown up to believe or think about the people in your dreams and the objects in your dreams and what that means, it's going to mean something different from you for you. Yes. And your unconscious yes. is full of your own kind of mythology. Yes. Creating this internal movie for you based on what those things mean to you. So the process that she teaches is first of all, be in a practice of writing down your dreams. Right. What you can remember, you begin to write them down. And even just even just engaging, even if you don't know, you don't have memories of your dreams exactly, even if you take a notebook, you wake up in the morning, you write down whatever you do remember, uh, blue. Once you start once you start in a relationship with your unconscious mind saying it's a priority. It's a priority to me now to begin to remember your dr- my dreams because I'm, I'm making it yeah. important because I want to be involved. Your unconscious mind goes, "Oh, cool! You we're gonna we're doing dreams now. Okay, sweet." Right. And then they it, then you start remembering them more. Exactly. Absolutely, you remember more. And the process <clears throat> is you write down what you remember, and then you pretend that you're an alien from another planet. And you're like, okay, here's a dream where my sister, I don't have a sister, by the way, here's a dream where my sister hands me an umbrella and says, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then we get into a car, right? So you're like, okay, so if I were from another planet, what does sister mean? Tell me about sister. Okay. And so wh- what is the shape of sister? What's your sister like? Write down some descriptors of your sister. Cool. Um, umbrella? I don't know from umbrella. Right. What is umbrella? Describe umbrella. Here's this. Right. Yes. As you start to uncover these items and people in the dream, you begin to, to sort of uncover a code for what, what that equals for you. And it becomes a metaphor or it doesn't. And the fun thing, there are some general themes that come up like, Sometimes the people in your dreams are the people in your dreams. And sometimes the people are in your dreams are aspects of you. And it's a fun process as you go through and uncover each dream. It's um, because you can then become, become better at creating your own shortcuts and symbols with yourself. So if you've suddenly decided umbrella yes. protection... Then every time your unconscious mind wants wants to tell you something or it needs yeah. to tell you something, it will give you these shortcuts of this language exactly. you created. Yeah, and there. So that's part of it is is disseminating the info that's in there, recognizing that people are aspects of yourself, maybe, or they're the real people. It just depends on the content of the dream. And then there's the part that as you so that's di- like 
coming up with what's going on after the fact. Then there's, then there's the level two, which is lucid dreaming, where you begin to give yourself a directive before you go to sleep mm-hmm. of dear unconscious mind, here's something I'm having challenges around. I would love to have some relief in this area. Will you please dream me so that I'll have relief in this yes. area and then I'm going to write it down. And you can do that in two levels or I'm just going to say two. You do the thing where like, I would like a shift and I'm telling you, I'm going to journal it after. I'm going to journal and figure it out what the shift is. Or I would just like to wake up having shifted it. I want to feel shifted and done with this thing. Can you give me relief? And I'm just going to be grateful in the morning. So you can get that deep. And then the, the like level three of lucid dreaming is being able to like pause and look around and walk. I'm not going to talk about that necessarily, but the idea is this body of work is very similar to watching television in this engaged way where you say, hey, unconscious mind, I'm going to watch this TV show where there's going to be all of these characters that play out. And I, I recognize that some of them might be me or aspects of me, or they might represent other people. Here's an area of my life that feels challenging right now. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to let you play and have fun with this show. I'm going to enjoy it deeply. And I want to feel different when I'm done watching in some way that's of value to me today. Boom. That is. Oh, God damn. That was so good. Okay. So I'm going to transition immediately because I just realized how connected these things are. Okay. Okay, cool. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is a book called Therapeutic Metaphors. Okay. So Therapeutic Metaphors is a great book, especially if you are a hypnotist or a coach or anyone who wants to know how to better influence people. So let's put it, I'm going to summarize greatly. So the idea here is, have you ever tried to give someone advice and it didn't work? Like they weren't open to hearing what you're saying. And they are like, here's a problem that's going on in my life. And you just tell them what to do. And then often they are not super receptive to that. So what happens when you tell a well-constructed metaphor is that it allows you to tell a story where while they're listening to you tell the story, their guard is down. Mm-hmm. They're not judging or questioning or, uh, or resisting anything that you're saying. And simultaneously, some part of their unconscious is listening to the story and going, huh, you know, that story kind of sounds like the situation I'm in. <laughs> I wonder if what they're doing is something I could do. <laughs> and instead of, <laughs> uh, instead of going like, oh, I don't, I don't know if that would work for me, it just bypasses what we call the critical faculty. It bypasses the judgmental part of their mind. So, uh, One of the rules of telling a good metaphor is that you're generally not supposed to say, and the moral of the story is at the end of the metaphor. You're supposed to just tell the story and then trust the other person's unconscious mind that they will take from it what they need to get from it. So I'm going to break that rule right now. And I'm going to say, Every single thing that Adrienne just said about dream interpretation was a beautifully constructed lesson Mm -hmm. 
on how to watch movies and TV for maximum psychological and spiritual development. It was, I was listening to her go through it and being like, that's a perfect lesson. That's a perfect lesson. The beauty of metaphors is you've heard the idea that a, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Well, a story, if we think about a movie, is 24 pictures a second, 24 frames a second, right? right? So how many words does it take to convey a story, an entire story? It's an, uh, it, it's you can convey so much more information by telling a story that's well-constructed rather than being like, okay, now let me break down all the steps in the process. Uh, you're teaching directly to the unconscious mind when you tell stories. Also, movies are metaphors, or at least good ones are. <laughs> yes. So, <clears throat> the my, 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 my response to your stuff about dreams, I just wanted to say uh, uh, one thing. Um, Carl Jung, if you want to learn about dreams, Carl Jung is the place to dig in deep. Um, and Carl Jung famously said that at some point in your development, like if you are the kind of person who wants to grow and self-actualize and become the best version of yourself, at some point, paying attention to your dreams is non-negotiable. Yes. If you aren't doing dream work, at least at some point for a period of time, you're not going to get where you want to go. That this is one of those things where there is no purer form of communication between your unconscious and you than dreams. And it's funny yeah. because there are many cultures prior to the 1500s where dreams were vital and, and yeah. part of how people engaged. Not only was storytelling vital, but like dreams were vital to how people engage in the world. Yep. I don't know if the major three monotheists utilize dream work very much. I think some versions I'm, I'm like, I'm having moments of like Catholicism as it was integrated into South America and Central America, the dreams are still important. And I don't know where dreams landed in like colonial spaces. Well, there's a lot of stories about dreams in the Bible, yeah. um, but I don't in, in modern um, religion, I don't hear people talk about it very often. And, and yeah. even if they do, it's niche, it's very niche. It's not right. widespread. Modern um, practices of those religions. I'm not sure, like yeah. different Native American traditions that I've that I've heard about. Dream work is huge. Dream work, visioning. Yeah. I hear stories, and I'm not an expert. I hear stories out of Catholicism of dreams of saints and things. Yeah, there yeah. are like special people that that have an integration of this. And I, th yeah, I think that the church. the general the general take on it is that they are a thing that is like given to you by God, but mm -hmm. then there's nightmares, which are not given to you by God. And like my view of it tends to be, this is your unconscious mind communicating to you and your perspective that I think is so key is that nothing in the dream has any inherent meaning. Yes. It means what it means to you and your job is to figure out what it means. Right. Um, there's another esoteric principle. I, I want to say this is something from Dion Fortune, but I, I don't remember for sure. Um, but it's this principle that 
um, it, it, based on the fractal nature of the universe, that the part contains the whole and the whole contains the part. There's this principle that every dream, if you pay attention to it enough, contains every answer to every question you could ever ask. <laughs> nice. And that every other person's dream also contains every question, every answer to every question you could ever ask, but only for you. In other words, I cannot tell you what your dream means. Yes. I can only tell you what it means to me. And then you have to be able to go, nope, <laughs> that's not what it means to me. Like, yeah. or yeah, no, like it's, it, it can mean the same thing to both of us. But if I hear your dream and I interpret it, by the way, I'm speaking in metaphor here. <laughs> a movie means what it means to you, despite what it means to me or Adrienne or the filmmakers or the actors who were in it. Oh, yes. Um, this is such an important principle that you can absolutely take more out of a movie than the people who made it put in it. Totally. They didn't think that it was as deep as you think it is. And there's a lot of movies where I'm like, I know that the people who made this were not intending this. Some movies I'm like, man, it fits so perfectly. My interpretation feels so right that I feel like if I sat down with the filmmaker, they would be like, oh my God, you got it. No one else has ever got it before. That's exactly what I intended for the movie to mean. Yes. And I'm like, I knew it. I I knew that was the case, but I'm also completely open to the idea that they would be like, <laughs> it's just, it's just a movie yeah. dummy. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We, it is now two forty eight. I feel good. I feel good. Yeah. How about you? Did we do a thing? I feel like we did a thing. I, I, a thing. I don't recall. I know someone commented something about, loving realistic movies and such. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people like to share with us. Yeah, me too. Or... Did you want to talk about what you can do with this? That was one of the main questions that people were asking. What like, we can do with this? Well, I, I was thinking pers personalized, maybe recent examples of things you've healed. Things we've utilized television for just sort of briefly. I, well, big, Oh, sorry. Can I start with big picture? Yeah. So big picture, the way I look at it is what can you get out of it? It, it? it follows for me a lot of the principles of psychedelic use, that if you're going to have a transcendent experience with a sacred medicine, um, what you generally tend to do is you set an intention and then you let go of the intention. You set an intention and then you you don't stay attached to that intention because the idea is you say this or something better. Right. And that often the, your unconscious, the universe, the medicine will say <laughs> your intention is very cute. That's not what you need to be focused on right now. Right. And it will give you something way more valuable, way more important. And if you're like, no, that's not what I want. I want an answer to this question. You have to be willing to surrender and, and, uh, and let it take you where you need to go. On the other hand, what can you do with this? Anything you want. Ask the right question 
and you will get an answer to that question. And the movie, the TV can be a way to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I was just remembering that sometimes I recognize with the relationship with my unconscious mind, and we'll talk about this in a different episode, but I will, I will have moments where I'm like, sometimes I feel like a passenger for the adventure that it's, it's on. My unconscious mind is the more of me anyway. I remember mm -hmm. teaching to some of my quit smoking clients the kind of rapport that they can get into with themselves. It was like I was walking on a hike. I thought, hey, I'd love to go for a walk. And I ended up on this trail where my knee started hurting. And I, I recognized that in either direction that I needed to go, I still had a mile and a half to walk and that was going to take a while. And so I just stopped in the middle of the trail and I was, I, I may have said this in my head or out loud. I, I, I can hear my own voice in my head. So I may have said this in my head and I was like, obviously unconscious mind and body. I am not walking myself very well. I don't know what I'm doing because my knee hurts. And like, you know what? You are my unconscious mind and body. You know how to walk me way better than I do. I just had this idea. I just wanted to walk myself this way and I fucked it up. So I, I'm just going to pick a direction. If I go that way, I've got a mile and a half. And if I go this other way, I've got a mile and a half. It's really the same. So it doesn't matter. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hang out, take a couple deep breaths for a second and just let you do this. Because I, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. And, you know, you hurt, we hurt, everyone hurts. So why don't you just walk me for the next two and a half minutes? However you start to walk me is just all right with me. As long as like you will just figure out, move and shift me how you need so that I don't have pain so that we can accomplish this mile and a half. So I just like, I'm going to let go. I'm going to think about something else for a while. You walk me and so start walking. And about like three or four minutes later, I don't have pain in my knee. And I am, you know, my my hips, my whatever is shifting and moving in a completely different way. And so sometimes that's how I will do. Yes. Watching of TV. I'll do things like, hey, unconscious mind. I think some of my recent stuff is I got out of a relationship. It, it wasn't the most smashing relationship one can be in. It was okay. And I didn't feel like myself and I didn't feel all that excited about like the next relationship. And so I'm like, Hey, unconscious mind, I'd actually like to have some shifts and to, to feel more excitement about the next, next person I get to engage with or relationships in general. And, and I'd like to feel more connected to myself and feel better and more excited about me and about like sharing me intimately with other people. That's specific enough. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I sat down and started watching shows with that intention that that's what I'd like. And I was like, so whatever you want to do, just light up anything. You know, we know how to do this. Whatever you need to have stick out, have it stick out. And if you want to do that in my life too, I'm open to it. I'm open to seeing messages of love being a wonderful thing, of me being a wonderful thing. Just, and I'm just going to sit on this couch also going to have popcorn. So if you could do it in a way where I won't choke on this popcorn, just in case, I would love that. <laughs> so just like you know how to walk me better than you, or I yes, do. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's some some of how I've utilized it recently. A lot of my uh, insights and breakthroughs related to watching movies and TV are weirdly because this is something I focus on a lot. They are about the nature and structure of the mind. Mm. 
And I know that that's like a thing that most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about, but I almost never stop thinking about it. I am obsessed with my relationship with my own unconscious and developing that and developing this inner world. So a lot of the most profound experiences I've had watching movies and TV were about the, the structure of movies and TV and why it was impacting me. It was about my relationship with my own unconscious. They're about my, my spiritual beliefs and my mm -hmm. philosophies and orientation towards, um, towards life. Um, they're often about my relationships. Like the biggest ones are about my relationships. They're often healing limiting beliefs that I have carried since my childhood. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, also another thing we could throw out here is my, my wife, um, Liz at some point is very excited about starting to contribute to the enlightened, uh, couch potato, um, world. <laughs> What world project world. Yeah. Project. Good, 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 good. Um, because she's, she doesn't want to do the podcast, but she's going to start writing about her experiences because yeah. our perspective is the more viewpoints that you as a listener, uh, viewer can get exposed to. Like if you hear the three of us interpret one movie in three different ways, hopefully that will encourage you to be like, oh, there isn't a right way to interpret this. There's the way that I interpret it that's the most valuable to me. But then there's also going to be stuff that Liz is watching that she's experiencing because she has different tastes. She has a different uh, journey where she's like, she's going to talk about um, movies that impacted her that I watched and was like, eh, yeah, <laughs> it didn't hit me in the same way. Um, but then there's movies that I'm like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> and she is like, I, yeah, I'm glad you enjoy this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. I think, I think that that was a good way to end it. <laughs> I look forward to, we got to find like a closer. How do we, how do we sign off? I don't know yet. Like Morgan and I say peace, love, and NLP at the end of our yeah. podcast. But we got to say yeah. like, like go watch things. Go forth and go, binge go, thy binge, yes. binge thy stories. Um, thy dr drink deeply of the, uh, I don't know, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> hey. Well, so goodbye then. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in and watching our show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> totally. Click that bell icon to get notifications. <laughs> Click the thing. Mm. Stop. Yeah. All righty. Uh, we love you. Thanks for listening, especially if you're still here with all this madness. Perfect. <laughs> I hope other people find us as entertaining as we find ourselves. <laughs> We're pretty good at finding ourselves entertaining. It's true. Let's have it's a true. competition. We'll meet yeah. the person who finds us as entertaining as we. Do. I'll I'll keep doing it anyway because I'm enjoying this. So. Fair. Alrighty. See you next All right. Time. Later, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.